Well, Happy New Year to you. Uh, are you excited for the new year? Are you nervous for the new year? Maybe you know some things that are coming up and they're on your calendar and you go, gulp, I don't know uh, about that. I don't know how that's going to turn out. I don't know if I'm prepared for this. Um, a new year brings new opportunities. Uh, I don't know how 2015 was for you, but maybe you're happy it's over and you think magically as the clock goes uh, from midnight. I don't know if some of you saw that when it went from midnight to the new year. Uh, some of you chose to do act like you were in New York or something like that or some of you Guam, you know, places like that. Uh, but as, as you consider uh, the new year, uh, it's interesting to me that uh, we always have new opportunities. We always have things on the horizon. Uh, we're always pushed to new forks in the road where we say, I can go this way or I can go that way. Or some of the more complicated ones don't seem like a fork. They seem like a centipede of op options, right? Of just, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And I'm overwhelmed at the options. This morning, I want to think about with you and talk through some scriptures and really a theological idea that God has placed before us in His Word uh, about what we do with this new life that He has given us. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ here today, we're grateful that you've come. Uh, you'll see in a bit, we'll share in a time of the Lord's Supper where we remember what the Lord has done for us. But I want you to consider this morning uh, the life that you're living. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, what you're living for, how you make decisions, um, it will be a challenge to you because you'll realize that really the only way you make decisions if you don't know Jesus is you just do what you want. Uh, you do what you think is best and you make decisions kind of uh, at the whim of your own heart. And I want to tell you that there's a better way, one that even as I shared with the kids that you were made for, uh, that God made you for relationship with Him, that you would live in a different way, that you would not live to yourself, but that you would live for Him. And so hopefully this morning as we go before God's Word, uh, with the unknown before us, uh, that God's Word would instruct us on how to uh, make decisions and take opportunities in this new year. I'd ask that you would pray with me, uh, bow your heads with me, and we'll pray just asking for God's blessing on our time. God, uh, we uh, bring this year before you. Uh, we bring uh, the different decisions and opportunities and days that we have before you. God, we don't even know how many of the days are uh, that we have. Uh, we know that uh, our lives are finite, uh, that we, uh, some of us here today, uh, might go to be with you this next year. And others uh, might go through great trials this year. Others might experience great blessings. And Lord, for whatever comes, Lord, help us to be equipped. God, I ask that in our time in your word, that you would help us think through what it is to walk with you what it is to know you, and for that to be the uh, relationship that dictates how we make decisions and how we think, both about the new year and every day you've given us. 
God, thank you for this opportunity to be before your word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to turn over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want to talk to you about what it means to know Christ. What it means to uh, change from just being on your own to now having a relationship with Him. In the book of 1 Corinthians, we have a book where Paul is writing to a church that's in a, a, a dirty city, as many cities are. And when I say dirty city, I'm saying that there's much immorality there. That people are doing their own thing and that they're worshiping their own ways. And that creeps into the church and that creeps into the way a church thinks. And, and Paul is writing to them and he's saying, I want to remind you about some things. I want you to think about your relationship with him and how that impacts every day. And I want to tell you, because of Jesus Christ, you're different. Things have been changed. And I want to read to you uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 9. And, and, and listen to this. I realize that this is a pretty ha- heavy passage to start out uh, the new year with. But here, here it goes, okay? Starting in verse 9, it says, or, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This passage puts two things side by side. The life you once lived and the change that has been brought about by relationship with Jesus Christ. These two things side by side. And how do we get this new relationship? How do we come uh, to this place where we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and the, and the connection with the Son that connects us to the Father as well? How do we get there? What happens? Well, he, he lists off sins that have, are, are marking sins, sins that stand in the way of us and God and really us in heaven, okay? And there's this important thing that we must remember, and a uh, little commercial for the weeks to come, okay? Uh, next week, uh, I'm going to be talking about Christian Christians in persecution, how we deal with the coming uh, persecution. And, and then the following week, I want to distinguish uh, between Christianity and Islam. Okay, I feel like that's important for us in the new year as we consider uh, who we are in Christ. And is that the same? Uh, are all re- religions the same? A- as we look at this passage, I-, I want you to just notice this one clear thing that, that not everyone is a part of the kingdom of God. Not everyone on that day will be called to himself. Not everyone is part of the family of God. 
And Paul makes that clear. And there is this sense of every generation, they're always trying to gather in and say, hey, we're all fine. Just do whatever you want. God doesn't mind what you do. And Paul uh, writes down, records for us for all of eternity. He says, there are sins. These sins separate you. It's not that we've ever committed a sin like this. It's that these are the sins that mark our lives. And as he writes this, he says this, and then he says, some of you were like this. And this morning, we could stand and give testimony, couldn't we? Uh, that this was us, that these words identified us. It marked us and separated us from a relationship with God. But what happened? Great things happened. That God saved us and, and he, he didn't just save us, but He cleansed us from the sins that we were committing, the sins that marked our lives. He cleansed us from them and brought us into a new relationship Verse 11 so beautifully says, and, uh, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to hear that, and this is really our theme for this morning, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. Um, I, I'm going to point to a bunch of passages in the New Testament that speak of the name the name. Sometimes they're attributed to Jesus Christ, other times to God the Father. And as we consider this this morning, I, I want you to hear the name. The name. Um, you, you have a name. Hopefully I got to call you by name this morning. I didn't just say, hey you. Uh, I, oh, I identify you. You're identified by your name. Uh, it, it's interesting, uh, people like their name. When you're uh, growing up and you're learning how to write, you always try to write your name first, right? Unless your name's complicated, and then you go for mom or dad first, okay? You can get those, right? And you write your name, and then as you get older, you realize that, you know, there's a signature involved, right? And you start writing your signature. Savannah, you better work on this, Okay. Uh, your signature, your signature, so that you can sign things and you can identify to your name. Your last name matters. You're part of family. Some of you are a part of like significant families, at least in size, right? And some of you, you say, well, I'm part of this family. And everyone goes, oh, no, your family. I might be part of one of those families um, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, they, they mark us, they identify us, and, and they are connected as we meet people. We say, what is your name? They tell us our, uh, their name, and you say, oh, you must be so-and-so's brother. Oh, you must be connected in this way. You say, yeah, uh, that's, that's my family, that's my name. And so we see in the New Testament this unique, peculiar thing where we get connected in a permanent, saving, washing, changing sort of way with Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, in His name, in His name. Uh, 
this, this idea of us being identified with Jesus through our salvation is connected in how we live from every day from this time, this point of salvation. Now we are connected with his name. As we think about this, I want you to just think in terms of this, that we are saved in the name of Jesus. We're saved in the name of Jesus. We had an old name, we had an old name, where everything just went back to us. Everything that we had, had done, you, you look at that first section in, that I read to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, all those sins go back to us. You committed that sin, it goes back and they say, you did it, your name. If you've ever been in a court, you realize the charges are brought and they record a name. They identify a person. They go, it goes back to that. But now everything's changed. What? Why? Because no longer does the life that you live just go back to your name. That is set aside. That's the old name. Now you are connected with the name. The name. Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are connected with this new name. Before we move on from our salvation in this new name, I, I just want to point out one other thing. If, if you go to the next book, 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, <clears throat> Paul's writing again. Um, he, he has written uh, multiple times to this church at Corinth, and he is uh, to a different place in a different time or a different circumstance. But he's talking about, in this particular passage, he's talking about his own ministry and how, uh, how he was not doing things for himself because he's been changed, but he's a servant, a servant, a slave, if you will. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, he says this, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Think about that. What's found in this passage? Well, for what we preach is not ourselves. You know what? That's the old life. We preach ourselves. We roll into a, a room, into a town, into a situation. You say, I'm here. I'm here to do what I want to do, and I, I'm going to say the message that I want to say. It's all about me. It's all about what I can accomplish. Paul says, I've been changed. We do not preach ourselves. We, we, pre we have a different message. We, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord. That This is our message. This is the one. Jesus Christ as Lord. And then he says this, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And I want you to get this picture. He says, we come, and Paul is saying, I am your servant. I am your servant for Jesus' sake. And if you think about that, he, he's saying, I am Jesus' servant coming to you. Think about that beautiful picture. That he's saying, I, I'm willing to serve you because I'm a servant of Jesus. Because I bring a message. I, I'm preaching his message to you. I'm bringing it to you so that I could serve you. So that you could get this message. 
what I want you to get this morning as we roll into this new year, what I'm, I'm building upon, and I'll show you over and over again in the New Testament, first is this. You have an old name. You have an old way of life. Living for yourself. Living for yourself. Just doing what you want. How do you make decisions when you don't have a relationship with Jesus? It's simple. You just do whatever you want. You do whatever you want. And uh, you, you, you say, well, I like life like that. I like getting what I want. And do you like getting what you want? How has life worked out for you, you getting what you want? Has it been easy? Has it been simple? Have you been able to accomplish all that you've wanted to accomplish? In your quiet moments, do you say, I'm fulfilled. I love my life. I feel like this is what God has created me for. Or do you feel empty and ripped off? By the, your own choices that you've made, that you thought you were getting what you wanted, but in the end, it left you empty. Empty. The old life, that's what happens. That's the way it works. The new life is not for yourself. It's, it, it's connected to this new name. It's, it's trading in this idea that I only live for myself. Now, you take a position a position, a posture, and a role as servant. I always get nervous preaching this, uh, this idea of servant in the New Testament, because most of the time it's translated servant in most of your translations. You know the other word that can be used there? Slave. Slave. Boy, that gives us the willies here in America, doesn't it? Uh, we, we all took that history class Multiple times, you know, they just beat it in their head. Slavery is bad. Slavery is bad. I want to tell you that this kind of slavery is different. And it's different because of the master. It's different because of the master. It's a, a, us taking our rightful position at his feet and saying, I will be your slave. I will do whatever you want me to do. And this beautiful picture that Paul paints and he explains, he says, I don't come with my own message. Those were the old days. I come with a new message. The message is Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who my message is. And I come serving you because Jesus wanted me to. Jesus sent me as Jesus' servant. I, I'm sent to serve you. Do you get the picture? You are saved in the name of Jesus. So now you're a servant of His. You're a servant of His. Which uh, leads us to the two options this year. Uh, if you want to turn over to 1 First, First Timothy chapter 6. And this is, uh, these are just a sampling of passages that talk about this idea that I'm presenting to you uh, this morning. So you're saved from the old life. You have a, a new name that you're connected to. And in this uh, new name, we take a different role, and that's of servant. And so what happens this year is two options. As a servant of Jesus Christ, as we serve one another, as we go and do what he wants us to do, uh, we have two options. 
that we would be a shameful servant. We'd be a shameful servant. Or we will be a servant that brings glory to the name. Glory to the name. These are the two options. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 1, it says, God's word says this. Let, uh, Paul writing to Timothy, he says, uh, Let all who are under the yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. Okay? Um, he's calling those who have a job, those who are, are slaves and they have a master, and he says, Go and take that position and treat them in a, such a way, your bosses or your masters, treat them as worthy and, and have this right relationship, worthy of all honor. And then he says this, so that the name of God and that the teaching may not be reviled. Okay? And he brings out this important thing that we must see this morning and we must see for making great decisions in the new year. We must see if we're going to live as the, the right relationship servants. He says this. He says, do your job. Treat your boss or your slave master in a certain way. Why? So that he will not connect bad behavior with your God. So that he will not see what you have done shamefully as connecting to the God who loved you so much, who changed your life. In this passage, it speaks of God the Father. And as you think about the plan of Jesus, it was the Father's plan worked out in the Son to draw you to himself. And, and so we get this. It's super important for us to see is that Every opportunity, every fork in the road, every decision that we make, we have an opportunity either to bring glory to God, to bring praise to Jesus, for people to reflect and to think well of our Lord Jesus, or for us to bring shame to the name. Shame to the name. Our life is no longer about us and our family name. Or about simply our lives and the way we want to live them, but about Him. Why should we not be unkind as we're out in the community? Because it brings shame to the name of Jesus. Why should we consider our words carefully as we interact one to another? Because now we are marked by the name of Jesus. And now as we go out, as we speak, as we interact, both in our homes as well as out in the community, it reflects not our name, but the name of Jesus. We need to think about this. Our world is increasingly becoming less private. Uh, we have interactions on a more regular basis through our phones and, and through the internet and through Facebook. And every one of those words that we say, everything that we speak, everything that we type, it comes back to the Savior. And it's no longer about what we think. It's no longer about what we portray ourselves at, about it, but it's about the name of the one who saved us. Before I became a, a youth pastor, 
I got to be a milkman. It's a great job. Great job. A lot of chocolate milk was uh, unaccounted for. Um, and, and it was interesting because uh, I, I would wear a, a shirt during the summertime that wouldn't have my name on it. It would have Altadena on it. And I would go and I had a boss and he had customers and I was the guy who delivered to his customers. And, and there was this sense that I was unimportant. I didn't, they didn't remember my name. In fact, uh, uh, one, one man from who was a different country and he didn't like the way I treated him one day. I remember him uh, on the phone talking to my boss and I could see him. He was holding the phone like this and he was using his hands because... For whatever country he came from, they used their hands. And he says, big milkman, no good, no good. And, uh, and, and what he was doing was he was connecting my treatment of him with a shirt that I was wearing with the boss that I had. And I want to tell you, that's true for us. Those of us who have been changed by the gospel that's no longer about what we think. It's no longer about what we want to do. It's about us making sure that our decisions don't bring shame to the name of Jesus. I want you to consider that this morning, even as before we move on to our next point. What are you doing? What's the life that you're living? What are the things that are filling your time what are the words that you're saying out in public? What, what are the words that you're saying to your children? What are the words that you're saying to your spouse? It's not just about you anymore. It's about the name of the one who saved you. It's about the name of your Savior and Lord. So to consider, is our new life uh, as servants is it brings shame to the name of Jesus. If you flip back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we were in there earlier. Uh, we can bring shame to the name of Jesus, but we can also bring glory to the name of Jesus. In this same passage where he was talking about so many intense things, these sins that had kept us from relationship uh, with Jesus, he now uh, says this about the way we should live, starting in verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside his body, but sexually, the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And then he says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And then he says this, You are not your own. For you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So glorify God in your body. He takes this most intimate of relational things, the sexual uh, part of us, and he says, even in that, even in that, that is for you to now, having been changed by the gospel, to use your body in such a way that it would glorify God that it would point back to the saving relationship you have in the Son with the Father. That you, that you have now relationship now that it marks you and your uh, 
relationships, now it points and it is this visible reminder to an onlooking world that you've been saved by Jesus. You were bought with a price. You get this beautiful picture that now we, it's not about us bringing shame to our own name, to our family name, to our creator, but now it is exchanging the shame that we once did to now bringing glory to God even in our body. I'd like to read to you uh, three other passages. I'll just read them quickly. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says this. Paul writes again, he says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Do you get it? The connection connected to the name. And, and what are we supposed to do in what situations? Whatever we do. I think that includes 2016. The whole year. Whatever we do that we should be able to do everything uh, connected to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In 2, Timothy, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul writes again, he says, To this end we also pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every, good, and, and every work of faith by His power. Why? Verse 12, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Love it. I love it. That, that in us, in us, in the things that we do, God may be glorified and in us, in our life, in our total life, that he might be glorified in us. Then lastly, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, and God's word says this, starting in verse 14, chapter 4, verse 14. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. In that name. So this morning, uh, just to conclude, to bring our time to conclusion, it's in the name that I, my, my prayer for us this, this year, this 2016 year, is that we would live for the name of Jesus that we would consider Him and whether our lives are bringing Him shame or glory. This is not about us being great, but as us filling our role as servant. And I'll, I'll just give you a few things to remember. Three things. Where, where does this come about? Well, it happens on Facebook. It happens in our political views. It happens when we're gossiping. It happens uh, when our views on political things as guns and immigration it's how we think about people at this church. It's how we use His money that He's entrusted us to. It's how we watch 
things on Netflix or YouTube. It's how we speak with our friends. It's how we talk to our family. It's how we interact with our coworkers. It's the, the guys we hang out with in the dorm or uh, around our recreational time. It, it's when we consider our calendar. It's how we raise our kids. It's as we sit at home and as we spend time together. It's in all these things. Secondly, I, I just want to remind you of something um, I heard growing up as a kid. And, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge this as we consider this idea of glorifying Him. I was told in sports, it, uh, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, it's how you play the game. And uh, most of us uh, heard that as a child. How many of you heard that as a child? Um, and you got uh, a little bit older and you realized uh, the final score is the only thing that anybody remembers, right? And you had that one coach who was willing to bend the rules a touch, and then you learned to bend the rules a touch, and you were like, it doesn't really matter how you play the game. Um, it, that's true. That's true. Unless, of course, you are already won the game. You've already won the game. And the only thing at stake right now is how you are going to play the game, who you are as a servant. Men especially, uh, I want to talk to you for a minute. Uh, sometimes we, we're seeking to climb the mountain or to reach the goal or to accomplish the task. And, and we're just saying, we've got to get this done. And so we trample over people to get there. We, we talk roughly to our kids and our wives, wives being us collectively having, anyways. Uh, uh, we, we run people over. We say, uh, it, it, it matters because I'm really stressed out right now. I'm really stressed out right now. So I should be, when you say, I'm really stressed out right now, you're, you're announcing to everyone, I'm going to treat you badly. Here it comes. I want to tell you, um, as servants, as servants of the Most High God, as servants of the one who saved us and called us by his name, the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, this is our opportunity to glorify him when we're stressed out, when we have goals, when we're behind schedule, when we don't have any more money. When, when we feel the pressures of this world pushing in, that's our time to play the game right. And in playing the game right, in interacting right, in speaking to one, or one another properly, that is glorifying God. I want to tell you, just because you reached the top of the mountain, God is not impressed with you if you trampled on everybody on the way up. It matters. It matters. Lastly, I want to say this. It comes down to this. Shame or glory. Shame or glory. To his name. To his name. Not to your name, but to his name. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning and the, the newness of this year. God, I ask that you would do your work in our church. I ask that even as these words have gone out, that they would be settling in the hearts and lives of your people now. 
God, I ask that you do your work in Bear Valley Church, especially uh, in us as men, that we would lead the charge, that we would not lag behind and make excuses. God, thank you uh, for your grace that covers us and makes us your servants. What a great place to be, servant of the Most High God. God, do your work now as we uh, consider your son and his work on the cross. We pray in his name. Amen. That's the men to come forward and make